Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast. We're talking about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we're talking about a topic that has to do with exposing yourself, uh, but in a way that helps you grow. We're talking about vulnerability today. Hey. Uh, this is not an easy topic for a lot of guys. I think that, I think it's kind of like an evolutionary thing where like, you know, lots of times guys feel like, you know, we have to be always on the alert, always protective. Uh, and because of that, uh, we can sometimes uh, be that way with our emotions as well. And that can cause issues. Um, I mean, just look at all the mental health issues that are amongst men and how many uh, men are having a serious crises of, of mental health. I think a lot of it is because they don't know how to express their feelings or they ignore them altogether. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that today and how we can uh, grow through our vulnerabilities. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. Spartans! What is your profession? Any man who must say I am the king is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world! A decent world! Okay, so the power of vulnerability, vulnerable, being vulnerable doesn't sound like a good thing. Um, and uh, as I'm thinking about this, I, I kind of broke it into, I, well, I kind of broke it into three things as I was looking through vulner vulnerability and studying it out. So first one was just kind of define vulnerability. Um, I'm going to kind of walk through some different types of vulnerability. And then I want to talk about vulnerability as a weakness or a vo vulnerability, a weakness and a vulnerability as a strength. Nice. Because I think uh, it's kind of, you know, could be considered one of those two things. And maybe there's some situations where, you know, it's one, but it's not the other. Um, so get into that. So just kind of starting out vulnerability to me uh, is... And, and I pulled a couple different uh, definitions of it and kind of molded it into one. But the, the quality of state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. And so opening yourself up, exposing yourself um, in, in a way that would leave you open to attack or harm, either physically or emotionally. Um, it's kind of interesting because as... As men, and, and maybe this is something we could talk about too, but I think men and women being vulnerable is seen differently, maybe just in society, whether it should be or shouldn't be, I think it is. Um, but since childhood, most or, or many men are taught that vulnerability equals weakness, and therefore men are, are never supposed to be vulnerable. Um, and I don't think that's something that's like taught in school. I think that's something that is just kind of like societal, I don't know, imprinting on men that it's seen that, you know, men need to be tough and all this different kind of stuff. But then at the same point, they're supposed to be emotional and show their feelings. But then if men are too emotional, then, you know, then that's a bad thing. And men, then, then it's just like, oh, they're weak, 
you know, or they're not masculine. And so that relation between vulnerability and masculinity is is really interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's so. Well, I well, go ahead. I, I just had like two quotes that maybe kind of are, are high level, also maybe definitions of vulnerability uh, that I could throw in as we're defining vulnerability. Uh, so this one was uh, there was a TED talk a guy named Brene Brown. Uh, she wrote a book called The Power of Vulnerability, and she had two quotes that I liked that kind of were about vulnerability. She said, "Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy." courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, and accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. So that's, that sounds pretty awesome. It's like, hey, that sounds like all, all like great things. And then she said, vulnerability sounds yeah. like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're Never weaknesses. Yeah. So, go, so I just want to share that yeah. as we're defining like it. So go, go ahead. Yeah, and I had something about uh, Brene Brown. I kind of I looked into that as well, um, but I wanted to bring it up a little bit later. Um, so there's several different types of vulnerability, um, and that's broken up into four major types. Physical vulnerability, economic vulnerability, social vulnerability, and environmental vulnerability. And those are all kind of, um, I guess, uh, I mean, they're kind of self-explanatory, but just wanted to kind of maybe give a couple of examples of some going going down the list. You know, physical vulnerability could be anything from, um, you know, you're driving in a car and maybe you're driving 10 miles under the speed limit in the fast lane, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of vulnerable at that point you're putting yourself in a, in you're opening yourself up for, uh, attack or harm. Um, and maybe that's not, someone might not be actively trying to, to attack you, but you know, another, another way, you know, you might be vulnerable if you're, uh, you know, walking down the street, a, a not so good street at two o'clock in the morning with like a gold chain around your neck and a Rolex on your, on your, um, wrist you know, walking through, just flaunting it around. Or also, you might you, be vulnerable if you don't know how to defend yourself. Uh, ex- exactly. Like you're walking and on so the same street, but you can't, you have no skills on how to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, so it's kind of physical vulnerability, um, you know, putting yourself in, in harm's way or being exposed. Uh, economic vulnerability is anything from uh, potential impacts of an economic uh, crisis, whether it's a business interruption, maybe you're fired from your your job, um, maybe you're uh, living in poverty because of um, a lifestyle, or you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, all these different things are causing you to be economically vulnerable. Maybe if you're overspending outside of what you're making, um, you know, you're setting yourself up there. Um, social vulnerability is, uh, and, and these are kind of incidences versus, um, I think being vulnerable in general, um, within like relationships is, is different than these specific instances, oh, yeah, but, yeah. uh, you know, socially, socially vulnerable. I think that's, uh, maybe one area that it kind of, maybe that relationship 
type situation fits in. Um, but then environmentally vulnerable, I mean, that one's just like, you know, if you live like on the coast of Florida here, you're vulnerable to you know, hurricanes and yeah, you're just yeah. kind of putting yourself in that, that situation or, or earthquake earthquakes or whatever you are in your location. But, um, you know, th- th- that's kind of, I guess, overall. Um, but how is that? This kind of a conversation that we, you know, we can talk about is how does that compare to day-to-day interactions with people? How does how does this kind of translate into the power of vulnerability? How can you know we utilize these things to make our life better? Um, you know, one thing that you said, Jared, is around the physical vulnerability. If you are, uh, you know, if you don't know how to defend yourself and you're, you're, you're physically vulnerable, then, you know, maybe you kind of realize that you take it to heart and then, and, and, and you say, okay, well, I'm going to learn from that vulnerability and I'm going to, um, you know, become more physically able to, to, to carry myself. Um, mm-hmm. so they could be teaching opportunities. Yeah. Also, absolutely. Or, yeah. Or we, emotionally or, they can, they can yeah. go ahead. No, just like as you recognize in yourself, like, hey, I'm walking down the street in the middle of the night and I don't know how to defend myself. If someone was to do something, I would have no idea what to do. In fact, I think one of uh, my buddies, I think that's why he said he got into jujitsu in the first place was because he saw like a video or something like that of someone, someone getting attacked or something. He's like, if I was in that situation, I would have no idea what to do. And so like that he was like, I, I would be so vulnerable. And so that allowed him to uh, work on that vulnerability to become uh, a strength. But he had to kind of recognize that. In, in his case, he was recognized it through a video as opposed to it actually happening to him, you know? Yeah, I like that. So what are you, so what are some of your thoughts on vulnerability so I, to I start off? Some, like you, you mentioned social, like the ones you mentioned, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, uh, gives, just me, gives me thoughts of like, you know, a warrior uh, is always going to keep his armor on. Uh, you know, if you're in, you know, Vietnam, these guys didn't really take their sh- shoes off much because they may need to run, you know. And so that's they got jungle rot on their feet and stuff because uh, they didn't take their boots off enough. And uh, because if your shoes are off, you're vulnerable. So in in, in situations, but like, if you are always trying to protect yourself and always always keep your boots on and you're always ready to go, then your feet are going to rot. Uh, you know, you need to change your socks every now and then. <laughs> I guess that's the analogy here is that, like, uh, sometimes uh, there was a... I, I heard a, a quote once that it was, if, if you keep your bow strung at all times, it's going to lose its spring. Uh, and so y- that's kind of to say yeah. that if you're always tense and you're always on guard and you're always ready to go, then you're going to lose your sharp sharpness uh, and um, or, or your spring in your bow. I think that two, one other aspect of vulnerability, you mentioned social. Uh, I, I think that being socially vulnerable is a little bit different than being like um, emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say being socially vulnerable is like you're out with some uh, people that you may not know and they say, hey, how was your weekend? And you're just like, oh, well, you know, uh, sometimes it takes courage to say, well, this weekend I, uh, you know, I went to the shooting range with my with with someone or or, or say something that might 
be conceived as controversial or this weekend I went and, uh, you know, something that people might not like, you know, uh, sometimes that get like they always say at work, bring your authentic self to work. Uh, and I'm always uh, find that Hmm. interesting because, uh, I feel like sometimes if I was to say some things at work, uh, people might not like that. Uh, but you know what? I'm like, what are they going to do, man? Like that's, that's who I am. If I come to work and I like people at work know that I do jujitsu. Uh, and so I, I actually just did a tournament this past week. Uh, and so when I came to work, people were like, Hey, how'd your tournament go? Uh, and I told them and I was just like, yeah, well, we get one like this and this and this. Some people are l- less, some people are less interested. Some people are more interested, but I'll talk to whoever wants to hear, uh, you know, and is, and is interested. So I think that's part of being vulnerable as well as allowing yourself to be put out there, um, to really, People, so people can get to know you, and that's how you make friends, uh, and that's how you can help bless others around you by being that. I think one other way of being vulnerable is like a spiritual vulnerability, and I think this one is might be conceived as like more controversial. Um, there was a I don't know if you remember this like super cheesy like um, church video that was from back in the day, and it was about like these kids like putting on the whole armor of God. Do you remember that one? Yeah. So like it was like these kids and like they were always wearing the armor of God and it was like, you know, and then like in this video, it was like a it was like these kids were uh, taking off pieces of their armor and then they were being tempted in high school or whatever. Um, <clears throat> they were going to the, you know, going to parties and drinking and it was like they were taking off their armor and it was they were becoming more vulnerable to attacks. From yeah. Temptation. Yeah. And I think that which is which is interesting. I think that in some ways that's good because you have to have a, I mean, you have to be ready for what the world throws at you, right? And that's what I think that whole armor of God thing is saying is that you have to be ready for the what the world is going to throw at you. And these are ways to be ready. You know, the shield of faith, uh, the sword of truth, you know, these types of things. But I also think that that can be taken to a little bit of the extreme <clears throat> to where like you're never letting down your guard and you're never vulnerable enough to say, Hey, I actually don't know if this is like, like I I am having a faith issue or I'm having a, like, I need to sharpen my sword of truth. And like, so it's not all about like, um, you know, if you're sharpening your sword, it's not ready to go, you know, it's not ready for battle. And so I, but if, if you're in a mindset where you're always to be ready for battle and you're always fighting the world and you're always this, then you're never sharpening your ax or, or, or repairing your armor. Uh, or, or working on on yourself, you know. So I think that there are times when it's okay to take off your armor to work on it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think um, you know, and there's different ways of being vulnerable. Um, I think vulnerability is uh, maybe in like a relationship. You know, being vulnerable to say that. You know, to to share with your significant other that hey, I'm uh I'm not very strong in this specific thing, or um you know to to admit that you are weak in an area, or maybe you have an addictive personality, or maybe you're you know it's even I think kind of that vulnerability to say hey you know I I I I've been you know so freaking lazy in the morning and. I need some help, like admitting that, hey, I, I need some some help with something here or the other. I think that's that's vulnerability as well. Yeah. 
And I think uh, in a in a confident or a trusting relationship, um, when when you trust the other person, I think being vulnerable with that person allows you to kind of help each other and to foster an environment of, of growth. Um, so w- one thing is, is vulnerability is a strength. Is it vulnerability? It, it fosters good emotional and mental health. Um, you know, I think we had mentioned this before, but really vulnerability, it, it can be considered a sign of courage because it is hard to be vulnerable. A lot of times it's easy just to throw up those walls and to, um, just not talk about, you know, anything. just to, 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 to not talk and not open up, but to be more, uh, we become more resilient and like, and, and brave, I guess, whenever we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. Um, you know, I, I, I had a, a situation with a, a friend and, um, he, uh, his wife had a baby, um, like, I don't know, probably four months after my wife had our last baby. And so, uh, I mean, if, if, if you're a husband and your, your, your wife has had kids, the, the time of like, you know, right after having a baby for the next several months is just kind of difficult. <laughs> um, just in, in many different ways. You got this, you know, roller coaster of emotions and, and hormones going up and down as as you're trying to figure stuff out, your wife's trying to figure stuff out, your baby is trying to figure out this new world. It's just a very stressful time for all involved. Not just the father, but for all involved. But I can only speak to to my side because I've experienced my side. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was kind of interesting because I could tell he was struggling. And he was just like, you know, man, this is really difficult and whatever else. And I was like, hey, well, let's let's go out to lunch. And we went out to lunch and we talked. And we talked for, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes about just kind of, you know, this time in our lives and in our relationship or whatever. And we, we talked about it. We were kind of open with each other. But then, you know, we got past that. We started talking about, I think we started talking about guns, and then we just kind of went went off on that, right? And so it 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 wasn't this this vulnerability that needed to take place for like you know weeks and weeks and weeks. But it, it was almost like we needed to be vulnerable with each other for like you know twenty thirty minutes, and then we're just like, okay, all right, I feel, I feel much better, you yeah. know. Let's let's move on. And I don't know if that's just a, a guy thing of being able to kind of open up, talk about something and then close it back off. That is like, you know, a release of, of, uh, of that. But well, sometimes uh, guys need definitely... to be validated as well. Not just, not just women. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Hey man, I'm yeah. really struggling with this. And it's like really hard to have kids. And it's like, sometimes you just need someone else to be like, yeah, yeah. It's freaking hard to have kids. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think one massive strength of that as well is that it fosters better connections and relationships with others mm-hmm. because I was able to connect with that person on a level that I had not connected with him on before. And this is just a friendship level, but now it's just like, hey, man, we, we, we can relate because we were both vulnerable. Our vulnerabilities were very similar, and now it just kind of fostered this better connection and relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's there's, there's power in that, definitely. Yeah, I mean, have you ever been in a conversation with someone who's doesn't want to divulge anything? Like they don't want to be open up at all. 
And I guess you could say opening up. Like that's, they don't want to be perceived as weak. They don't want to open up at all. They just want to talk surface level stuff. And that's why like I dislike like happy hours and stuff like that. Uh, because Very surface level. everybody's just having service level. Hey, what department do you work in? Hey, where do you live? Where are you from? Oh, the weather's great there. Oh yeah, oh, I love that sports team. You know, and it's just like all this surface level stuff. Where I don't know. It, it's just like inauthentic, and everyone's just trying. No one's opening up, and, and like, not that we, not that I want to have like serious like oh tell me about your your failing marriage you know or anything like that i mean I'll, <laughs> i'm happy to talk to someone like that if, if they have those issues but like i don't know it's just so surface level and it's, there's no depth to it or or there's no passion to it i want to i want to ask people like what are you passionate about what do you love what is something that when you wake up in the morning you're excited to do um, that's the kind of stuff and, and and for people to share that typically you know, if they're like, well, you know, in the morning when I wake up, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. You know, if that's what that may be very vulnerable for them to say that, you know, because they want to be perceived a certain way. But really, that's what they absolutely love. So, yeah, but I think sharing those things, allowing us, allowing yourself to like open and others to open up. It helps us to feel less alone and kind of isolated in what what we're doing, especially as men. Um because we kind of have that wall sometimes of, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, I think a lot of times around money too, you know, I don't want this person to know how much I make because then, you know, I might make less or whatever else. And, or around, uh, just like their relationships. It's like, I don't want to, you know, you said, Oh my, you know, you don't want the, the question or a happy hour. Some guy comes up to you and just says, Oh man, my marriage sucks or whatever else. You know, I'm happy to talk to that person, but you feel judged, I guess. But at the same point, if you have like the power to, or if you, if you know someone well enough to be vulnerable with them, then you can feel less isolated, which I think is, yeah. that, that support is good. Well, I think like, does that person have your best interest at heart? And like, yeah, that's what I was going at. So if like, you, know, you talk to someone about, you know, what may be going on or what you're struggling with, but like, I guess the question is if you're sharing with someone, does that person want the best for you? Uh, and I would, you know, if I'm going to share something I'm struggling with or going through, I want to share it with someone who is going to give me, um, maybe just listen or give me some advice that, uh, maybe when I, sometimes when I am am saying stuff or, or expressing emotions or feelings, sometimes it's just like a sanity check almost. Like, am I way off in left field here or? Am I am I crazy or is this right or am I, is my thinking right? Oftentimes, that's the kind of validation uh, that I look for when I'm trying to be vulnerable or uh, opening up to someone. I'm just saying, like, this is how I feel. What do you think about that? Or what what is your thoughts? Or this is this is angering me. Or this is, you know, got me sad or low. What do you think about this? And yeah, know. and uh, it's interesting. We, we were we kind of went in a direction a little bit there that that is interesting um, to where vulnerability could be weaponized. Um, if, if you're vulnerable with someone that is, uh, doesn't have your best interest in, in yeah. mind. you know, I guess an example I'm thinking of is let's say uh, me and a guy at work, this isn't a real example. It's just a, you know, made up thing. Me and a guy at work are pining for the same job. And, you know, I confided in him before 
you know, he was the competition and I confided in him a couple months ago that, man, I'm just really struggling with prioritizing at work. And, and, you know, this one Excel project is really tough and mm -hmm. whatever. And then I confide in him all that stuff. And then they go, you know, oh, me and him are going for the same role. And not that that person it particularly wants to hurt me, but he might say, well, you know, I know that Ethan was struggling with prioritizing some of his jobs, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we're just kind of planting that seed a little bit. That's like, man, you're using my vulnerability against me. Yeah. Uh, which well, I don't want well, either. Yeah. Well, I think that's, yeah, that's absolutely right. You, that can be weaponized, but I think that sometimes like when we are vulnerable, like sometimes you have to be willing to accept maybe a smack in the face sometimes. Uh, and I think that sometimes we're vulnerable just because to some people and we just want like a, a feedback like, oh, man, my kids are sick all weekend. You know, oh, it was really a hard weekend. That's a little bit of vulnerability. But you could say that to anybody and they're just like, well, you have have you taken your kids to the urgent care or to the doctor or try giving them chicken noodle soup? And you're like, oh, OK, you know, thank you for that. Uh, but. That's a, a level of vulnerability, but I think a deeper, more meaningful level of vulnerability is when you are talking to someone and you are vulnerable enough to accept if they tell you that you're doing something wrong. Uh, and I think that everybody needs at least one person like that, where you're like, oh man, I I feel like um, I've just... You know, my morning, like you, like this thing you mentioned earlier, like my morning routine is just really bad and I'm wasting a bunch of time in the morning. Uh, and then maybe someone says, well, yeah, you need to stop being lazy and you need to schedule your morning out and, and, and prioritize what you like because right now you're not doing that. Uh, and you may already know that, or maybe you, you, you're trying to get feedback on something and you didn't even see that you were blindsided like hey someone brings up something and said hey have you considered this maybe you're not doing this and you're like oh well maybe i am not doing that yeah and so sure. having enough trust and and someone to uh to counter you or give you a totally opposite of what you were thinking uh sometimes is uh i think that's like the true essence of vulnerability is when someone is is when you have enough trust with someone where they can tell you that you're wrong or you know slap you back into where you should be I think at least sometimes in our lives we need we all need that. Yeah. So I uh, I have a story. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of a twist on vulnerability. So uh, in this book that that uh, that I've been reading slowly but surely, uh, it's called the the Forty Eight Laws of Power, mm -hmm. and it's different things that you can do to become more powerful in your life, more powerful and present uh, in your life. And uh, Law Twenty One is it says play the sucker to catch the sucker uh seem dumber than your mark and it it basically the whole chapter is about using vulnerability or at least the perception of vulnerability as a strength and uh it, it, it's kind of specifically talking about like with your enemies um but i thought it was really interesting there's a story um that they share and uh the story is about, um, well, I'm going to read the, 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 the first part here. It says, subliminally, subliminally reassure people that they are more intelligent than you are, or even that you are a bit of a moron and you can run things or you can run rings around them. The feeling of intellectual superiority will give them 
the the feeling of intellectual superiority you give them will disarm their suspicious muscles. And so basically if you convince someone that they're smarter than you, then they will kind of relax their suspicion. Mm-hmm. And it gives the example uh, in 1865 the Prussian counselor Otto von Bismarck we know him, right? Oh, yeah. That's what the uh, the battleship Bismarck is named off of. Yep. Uh, he was a, a, a Prussian counselor, which eventually ended up being kind of the um, the German Empire, right? Um, so he wanted Austria, uh, which is the, the the country he was a counselor for, to sign, um, or excuse me, he wanted Austria, um, a different country, to sign a certain treaty that uh, was really in the favor of the Prussians. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he did a bunch of research, and um, the the Austrian negotiator, his name was Count Blum, and he was, uh, Bismarck knew that he was going to be like the person that he was negotiating with on this treaty. And so um, Bismarck representing the, the Prussians and Bloom representing the Austrians. Um, Bismarck did some research into him and found that Bloom really, uh, he was an avid card player. And he really liked this one specific card game. So on the night before these treaty negotiations were supposed to happen, um, Bismarck kind of engaged Bloom in one of these card games that he he really liked to play. And Bismarck basically he it was like a gambling game. Mm-hmm. And Bismarck actually said after the game he said that was the very last time I ever played that game. I played so recklessly that everyone was astonished. I lost several thousand dollars, which is like dollars in the, in the currency at that time. Mm-hmm. But I succeeded in fooling Bloom, for he believed me to be venturesome, uh, to be more venturesome than I am. And um, so basically, he went into this card game and he, like, just was a fool. He was betting crazy bets and mm-hmm. just acting a fool and got a little drunk and and was just, like, making really dumb decisions and basically, Bloom was like, oh, this guy's a freaking idiot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the next day, when they went into um, the negotiations for this treaty, you know, they negotiated back and forth. And and the Austrian guy, Bloom, was just like, man, this guy, I'm going to walk all over him. And so they put a treaty together. And apparently, um, Bismarck said, okay, all right, well, well, let's agree to this. And and uh, he gave him a treaty, and he said, "Well, you look through this this contract. You look through this treaty." Uh, and he said, "Bloom, if you, if you agree with it, then just sign it, and uh, and we'll go from there." And Bloom was like, "Okay, all right, you know." And so, so he looked through. I guess uh, Bismarck put like the the biggest parts of the treaty that benefited the Austrians at the top. And then as it got further down into the treaty, there was like some very fine print at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, the Austrian guy thought that uh, that this this Bismarck guy was such an idiot that he was just like, dude, this guy, I'm going to, you know, this contract is so good. Oh, we negotiated this so well. Yeah. But he didn't read. He didn't read the whole treaty. Yeah. He only read the first couple pages of the treaty. 
Hmm. So Bismarck was like pushing it. was like, oh, are you going to sign it? Are you going to sign it? Are you going to sign it? And finally he was like, oh, yeah, okay. So he signed it. And before the ink was even dry, uh, Bismarck stood up and said, well, I could have never believed that I should find an Austrian diplomat willing to sign that document because he had, <laughs> because he had put like so many things in like the fine print. He had played the fool so well uh-huh. that he like convinced this Austrian guy that he was so superior to him mm-hmm. that, that he thought that he, you know, he, he couldn't lose. Yeah. And, uh, so he kind of used that, that, that essence of, of trickery, I guess, or of vulnerability oh, yeah. and made the other guy feel superior and the other guy made a mistake, oh, got yeah. too confident. It's like the classic, uh, you know, uh, uh, apocalyptic, uh, uh, scenario where you, you come up on your car and there's a woman that's laying in the road. Help me, help me. You get out of your car and you go up to her and then there's like guys ambush you from the side, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like, you remember the book of Eli with yeah, Denzel yeah. Washington? Yeah, yeah. And he like, he like comes under an underpass and there's like this lady there and he's like, oh, she's like, help me, help me. And these guys come out and they're like, give us everything you got. And he's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. thing happened in Mad For, Max. And yeah, he slaughters those fools. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, interesting ideas on vulnerability. Well, let, let's talk about like ways that we can be more emotionally vulnerable so that we can grow. Okay. Uh, some of the ones I got are from that book that I was telling you about, uh, Brene Brown. Uh, yep. Uh, maybe I'll, I just have a couple of them here. Maybe I'll, we can just... I'll, I'll mention each one and we can each share some ideas that we had thought about on this one. Yeah, for sure. So this one says, uh, first one kind of takeaway from her book was, uh, don't bottle up your emotions. Uh, it becomes self-aware. So she talks about how sometimes in our lives we're taught to hide our emotions or run away from them, but really that just causes more pain and stress. So uh, she says that the consequences are far reaching and longer. Uh, we keep those emotions bottled up, uh, and then that makes the situation even worse. So she says that we need to become more self-aware and explore our emotions, asking questions to get in touch with how we're feeling uh, so that then we can process those and, and get through those. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I see sometimes too, and this is maybe my own experience as well, is a lot of times if I bottle up emotion, you know, just kind of push it down, swallow it down, then it eventually kind of comes to a head. And... um and then it's and then whenever that emotion is released, it's just kind of like a an explosion of emotion, um, which is not good because then it could potentially be like a dump on those around you. Whether it's like, you know, I'm having a bad day or a bad week or whatever, and then and then one of the kids does something that's like nominal, right? And I just explode, mm-hmm. and it's just like, man, they didn't deserve that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I can't. <laughs> And and you kind of have the you know the right place at the right time, right? I can't show some of these emotions or show you know certain weaknesses at work uh, because I don't want to you know, I don't want to be too vulnerable. Um, yeah, but you know you got to kind of know your audience, I guess. We kind of you need a way to kind of process that or like get those emotions out, whether that's you know sometimes people will journal, they can journal or they can meditate or they can talk to a friend or they can just vent sometimes to. Sometimes you can vent to your spouse or sometimes you just vent 
good to vent to a, a, a friend uh, who's not your spouse. <laughs> that way your spouse doesn't have to hear you. Uh, then you know, sometimes it can come off as complaining, but sometimes you just need to get that out. Yeah. I think maybe yeah. sometimes just like doing, like you're doing triathlons or just like go doing that or working out at the gym. Going on a, or, going on a motorcycle ride, that helps me. Yeah, or going to the range, uh, you know, so <laughs> that also helps. So uh, that was one of them. Let's go the the next one here. Uh, this one says vulnerability takes courage. And so we already kind of discussed that a little bit, but she says that uh, vulnerability vulnerability is anything but weakness. In fact, it takes true strength and courage to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Uh, and she says that really, when you do that, it uh, um, it unlocks this part of you that. Uh, allows others to help you uh, and that takes courage to, to, be, to be able to do that um, so because uh, you're, if you're always guarded it's easy to always be guarded uh, but if you can open up that's that's something that uh, is courageous yeah I agree what's the next one next one here is uh, show up face fear and move forward so she says uh, in everything we do fear and criticism will always be there to greet us Fear is a great or a restrictive force as it stops most people from doing uh, things that are outside of their comfort zone uh, and realizing their true desires. So as we uh, go there and we you know, face our fears, uh, we can grow outside of our comfort zones. Like, you know, it's not comfortable to like that's one thing that you and I have been trying to do recently, right? is with some of our uh, athletic endeavors uh, and even with the podcast in in many ways is like uh, trying to go outside of our comfort zones. Uh, Like you've doing, you've done two triathlons so so far and that's not something you've ever done before and that's new to you. And so, and you're like, you know, yeah, you have nerves going into that and uh, you're like, Oh man, like, that you gotta handle all these transitions of getting on off your bike and swimming and all this kind of stuff and you're like well i've never done this before am i gonna look stupid or people gonna think i'm dumb because i've never done this and so that takes courage uh and then well you know what's interesting you know what's interesting too is that i remember like my first time i was i was super nervous because i like didn't know what to expect I, i you know i i didn't know if you know if people just gonna you know run past me or are they gonna you know I had no idea what was going on, but the second one that I did, I felt so much more comfortable. I just felt like, you know, okay, all right, I've done this once. I, you know, I, I'll get in there. And so, you know, putting yourself in an, in, a, in a vulnerable, what seems vulnerable or uncomfortable position, more than once, kind of helps you to. Um, it almost makes that vulnerability become a strength. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as you face your fears. Uh, you can do that. I think that was the one thing I learned in my whole master's program. <laughs> uh, so save yourself uh, thousands of dollars and just know that you are capable of doing anything. Uh, you are capable. I think I say you because I think anybody is. Uh, but in this case, I learned that I'm capable of doing almost anything, even something that's well outside my comfort zone. I can learn it and I can do it. Uh, and so sometimes yeah. I need to remind myself of of that uh, when thinking about things that I want to do. So let's see. The next one here is seek excellence, not perfection. Uh, she says that perfectionism is the belief 
that if we live perfectly, look perfectly, and act perfectly, we can avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. But then she says, perfectionism isn't uh, isn't about growth, improvement, or personal achievement. It's about fear and avoidance. Therefore, what you should really be focused on is realizing, realizing excellence, the best version of ourselves despite your flaws. Uh, this uh, perspective is healthy, inclusive, and leads to personal growth and opposed to the flawed perfectionism. One thing I always think about with this is that there is a uh, a Japanese art form, and it's called uh, Kintsugi. I think I pronounced that it right. It's, it stands for Golden Journey. Uh, and what these folks do is that, uh, and there's, this kind of goes along with the art form called uh, Kintsukuri, uh, and it, that's what's just called Golden Repair. So really, there's kind of like the art form, and then there's like the specific repair where they will repair broken uh, pottery by mending the break points uh, with like a, a, a lacquer that's mixed with a gold powder. So if you can imagine taking out like a pot, like a pottery bowl, uh, dropping on the floor, it breaks into several big pieces. Uh, and then what they do is they, they put it back together with like this lacquer, but they mix it with gold. So you have like these gold lines uh, that are like repairing uh, the bowl. And the whole idea is that it's a metaphor for embracing your flaws and imperfections uh, and that y- you won't realize your full potential until you go through the tough times. And so it's kind of a beautiful art form uh, that says that the imperfections in you and as you begin to refine those, that's what makes it beautiful, not necessarily it being perfect, which is what I think the dichotomy of what perfectionism uh, is and what um, being uh, excellent or, or just um, working through your flaws and, and realizing that they're there and just working on them to be better as opposed to perfectionism. Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. Uh, and then the last one was just... Uh, so, the last one was just dare to be yourself. And that was uh, you know, be who you are, uh, be confident, and, and as you are confident in who you are and things that you like, uh, you don't have to hide from any, from anybody. And that's kind of where, uh, you know, I'm at it, you know, previously in my career when I was at work and I wouldn't really tell people what I did on the weekend or what I was doing or what I was interested in because I was afraid that, you know, maybe they wouldn't like what I was doing or maybe HR would get mad at me for saying that I was going to the gun range of the weekend or something like that. But, now I'm like I don't care if they're gonna, if the company's gonna fire me because I said I went to the gun range on the weekend, I don't want to work for this company. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, I'm just being myself and uh, let letting uh, the consequences follow. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 true. That's very true. You know, I've been there too, and it's just kind of like, oh, should I say that or should I not? I mean, it's like not really that controversial, but a lot of times if you're if your views don't align exactly with what the masses views are, then you feel like an outcast. Um, but so I was, uh, I, I had read those two, uh, from Brene Brown and, and, um, they were, they're great. Uh, really interesting. Um, you know, and I agree with, I agree with everything that she was saying. So I think vulnerability definitely has its, uh, its potential into your life. 
Um, but I wanted to look on, at the opposite side as well. So I wanted to look at what are, I guess, the drawbacks of vulnerability. Like where, when do you not want to be vulnerable, right? And so I read this one, I read a couple articles, but I kind of compiled a couple things together. Um, but it talked about specifically the drawbacks of vulnerability, that there are several disadvantages to vulnerability. And so it actually gives a couple different instances where you might want to be a little bit careful with being vulnerable, or at least too vulnerable. Um, and so one of those one of those instances are, so it says, um, you can't be vulnerable if you want to lead. Being a good leader sometimes means keeping your weaknesses to yourself. When you share your full self with subordinates, at best, they will think that they will think of you as one of us, and you can't be one of them if they're your subordinates. And you are not one of them. You are their leader, and you are the one giving them tasks and responsibilities. And so mm-hmm. that's just kind of saying, you know, when you're leading people, be careful with how vulnerable you're being, because if you just become one of the guys, then you've kind of lost your your leadership within your your leadership ability, or I guess the respect there potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's to a certain extent. You know, I think it's okay, you know, to be vulnerable, but there's there's kind of a, I guess, a, a threshold there. Another one, it says, uh, be careful to uh, how much vulnerability you are portraying in any results-driven businesses. So this is talking specifically around like high uh, high volume or high stress like sales environments. Um, at its worst, if you're too vulnerable, you will lose all authority and respect because too much vulnerability gets you get easily labeled as kind of the softy or the crybaby um, because it'll kind of come across as complaining and as weakness if you're if everything you're doing is results driven and sales driven and compensation or uh, you know uh, everything kind of driven by results yeah if you're the one that's kind of too vulnerable you're just going to be labeled as man that guy complains a lot or you know he's not just going to get in there and get it done so be careful in any kind of high results uh, driven business. Uh, there's two more. So another one is uh, be careful. Uh, you can't you can't be vulnerable upon meeting someone. So we kind of had mentioned this one earlier, right? If you were meeting someone for the very first time and you had never met this person before in your life, and you reached out and you said, "Hi, my name's Ethan Thomas," and they said, "You know, how are you doing tonight?" And they reached out their hand. They said, you know, oh, really good. But my wife cheated on me and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just like, oh, dude, like, come on, man. And so it says because people naturally tend to extrapolate information, like just from from verbal and nonverbal cues. Yeah. Even just a 20 second like opening up about a, a hardship in the first two minutes of a conversation can really kind of label that person even subconsciously as uh, uh just a kind of a difficult person right mm-hmm. so maybe in the first two minutes of your conversation don't start off with a massive vulnerable act right <laughs> maybe just kind of 
keep it to yourself at least at least until like five minutes into the conversation. Well, I guess um, there are positives and negative things that you can share. Like you could share like, well, I really love uh, my little ponies. Or so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. Something that no, you would I, think I would be embarrassing that someone were like, oh, I like to put, trade Pokemon cards with my kids. And like some folks like might not want to share that because it seems kind of juvenile or something like that. But those are the kinds of things yeah. of Volan Bros. I, was, I guess I was talking about. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing is, I kind of talked about it like, like meeting girls, right? From a guy's perspective, mm-hmm. can you imagine if like a uh, you 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 met a girl for the first time, or you went up there and talked to her, and you're like, you know, or she comes up to you and she says, "Hi, my name is, you know, so and so. What's your name?" And you're like, "Oh, you know, and what? Do, I don't know. Tell me something about yourself." And you're like, "Oh, my name's Ethan, and you know, ugh, unfortunately." I'm only five six, you know. It's like <laughs> it's like kind of a weird thing to start out with. It doesn't right? project I mean, I'm confidence. Not, I'm, yeah, I'm not five six, but like that would just be kind of like, you know, it's almost like you're 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 introducing your vulnerability. Like the response to that would be like, oh, well, that's okay, I guess. You know, it's just like I don't know. Uh, whenever you're meeting someone, put your best foot forward. Oh yeah. Um, well, some people, the last, but some people identify as victims as part of their identity. So that's true too. They are victims. They like that victim identity. They want people to feel bad for them. So yeah. immediately they they step off, you know, with with this thing where they're like, "Oh, you need to use these pronouns with me," and you're like, "Okay," uh, you know. So then automatically it's like, "Oh, I have to treat this person so with special tender loving." With this special yeah, special this, care and, a, and a, this relationship like is going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. So I, I kind of don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, yeah. So the last one was um, some specific roles don't allow for for vulnerability. So high, uh, highly competent, I guess high competence professional roles like doctors or uh, extremely high paid external consultants or. Um, you know, people that are in a very, very highly competent professional uh, place, if they show too much vulnerability, they're, they lose authority very quickly. You know, how, how would you feel if you, like, had a brain tumor and you went in and, and you were like, okay, doc, you know, how does this look? You know, or, or, or how comfortable are you? And the doc's like, oh, well, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I... I, I, I always get kind of really nervous and shaky before these, and, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, how's that going to make you feel? You're like, oh, dude. Yeah, well, well that's their area, their area of expertise, though. But, like, if I uh, went in and, like, I was talking to a doctor and he was very competent, confident in what he could do, but yet he was comfortable enough to, um, you know, cry with me when something terrible happened, you know? Like if you go in and your child is having surgery, your child ends up dying, and the doctor comes in and and he's you know equally sad with you, uh, you know I think that would be like very human. Uh, yeah, I think that that I, that's one hundred percent a vulnerability, and I guess but that's outside of the competence of their yeah. role. That's yeah. more of their like humanity vulnerability, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but at the same point, you know, if I went if I went to a general practitioner, a, you know, just a general doctor, and I said, hey, you know, I've got this, I don't know, weird lump on my neck or something like that, and for the doctor to say, huh, 
that's weird. I've never seen that before. Like, I don't think that's too crazy. Or they're like, Dude, let me. That's all general practitioners do. They just say, hmm, I've never seen that. Yeah. Let's send you to your ear, nose, and throat doctor. Yeah, they're like, they're like <laughs> Let's give me a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me a couple minutes. And you like hear them out typing on like typing on Google, Google to like figure oh, out what, what's I'm going on. I'm paying for this which, appointment. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, that's fine. That, that, that vulnerability to a certain extent. But let's say you paid... Um, so, you know, you paid like a consultant, a, high, oh, yeah. a highly compensated consultant, $600 an hour to come in and, and to, to, to fix your, um, legal structure you know, of your company. And you're like, are you sure this is going to work? Like, yeah. yeah. And they're, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. It didn't work at the last company, but maybe this time it will. It's like, oh dude, you know, it's like you're not, you're not, you're not giving me much confidence here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So there's there's certain situations where I think it's it's maybe a good idea to uh, to vanquish maybe, all vulnerability and be confident in exactly what you're doing. Yeah, if you're charging yes. six hundred dollars an hour, you better know what you're exactly you're doing and be confident in that. Yeah, for sure. And and even you know if not that vulnerability is is a bad thing, but maybe just like I don't know. I guess just check your words. Think about your words before you say them. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, don't. I guess don't uh, don't shoot yourself in the foot. A lot of times, I think in some circumstances, you know, it's good, and others it's mad. Just 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 read the situation. What is it? Social awareness, right? We had a whole episode on socially social awareness. Um, so that's a good one. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was interesting at, at the at the bottom of that article. I don't know if I completely agree with this, but I thought it was funny. It said. Uh, um, it might not be a coincidence that Brene Brown, because he was kind of in this article, he was referring back to some things that Brene Brown was saying, and he was agreeing with some and, and, and kind of bringing in these other drawbacks of vulnerability. He said, it might not be a coincidence that Brene Brown is a humanistic researcher at university. Um, she probably wouldn't have written about vulnerability in this way if she worked in more of a cutthroat business. Um which, you know, I don't know. I think there's positives and negatives to it all around. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I personally got out of vulnerability more than anything uh, in my study was that being vulnerable has the ability to um, bring people closer together exactly. and to yeah. build, build relationships. Um, it, it, it can foster better connections and relationships with others. And that is one thing that, that I need to work on personally with myself, with my spouse, with my kids, um, is maybe being a little bit more, more vulnerable in the same areas that they are or communicating that because I think most people want the best for other you know those around them. And if you're a little bit vulnerable, it kind of brings down everybody's walls and it allows to that relationship to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are some great things. Uh, I think there's a definitely multifaceted, and uh, I like I like the term opening up more than being vulnerable. Uh, yeah, because opening up insinuates that like you're just uh, allowing folks into your inner circle to. Yeah. Uh, it's like purposeful. Yeah. yeah, it's instead of like you know just. Uh, allowing them to, to thrust the, the spear into your side or something like that. You know, you're, you're instead of inviting them in to uh, become part of your intimate life, uh, which is more like opening up, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. But I, I, I think in, in total, uh, you know, trust, uh, opening up to people, uh, having someone to lean on, that's part of what the brotherhood of a brother's creed is all about. And uh, building that creed is, you know, part of building your creed is stepping outside your comfort zone uh, and exploring new things. And so this is kind of along the lines of what we talk about all the time. Uh, hopefully uh, you have someone uh, in your life, uh, a buddy or a brother or a spouse uh, or hopefully a spouse, a parent and a buddy uh, that you can talk to about different things at different times because uh, each yep. one of those people you need to be able to talk to about different things. And so uh, if you don't have someone like that in your life, go find someone like that uh, and uh, be there for them too. And uh, so I think that's uh, yeah. important. I agree. And, I, and that's one thing that I think the podcast has kind of helped me to, I think us, there's been certain episodes that we've maybe been a little bit more vulnerable and talking about our past and our history and our life and mm-hmm. our our strengths and our weaknesses. Um, but I think vulnerability can be a massive strength in in your life to you as well as to those around you. And anyone that wants to become stronger and build relationships in their life should, in some way, to some extent, introduce vulnerability. So let's introduce vulnerability whenever we need to, uh, at the right amount, and let's build that creed together. Let's do it. Let's do it.